Well, God's grace, peace, and mercy be with you through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Unless you're on a nonstop flight, the first plane gets you somewhere. The second plane, maybe even the third, gets you to your destination. Returning home from the Synod Convention in Tampa, Florida, a few years ago, I had to stop first in Memphis, then again in Phoenix, and finally, Portland. I felt like I was getting nowhere for hours. And the only good thing was, is that at least we were going in a westerly direction before we started heading north. But you know how it goes. Sometimes it seems to take, it takes forever for you to get to your destination. Well, God's people in the time of Jeremiah the prophet may have felt like they were going nowhere as they waited in captivity for 70 years. At first, they probably had a terrible time trying to understand why God had routed them that way. Babylon was not a direct route to their destination, as their purpose in life was to be the family of God and a light to the world in which the true light, the Savior of all people, would come through and from. But in time, those Israelites who remained faithful in God realized that deportation, a serious rerouting and a long layover, had been necessary to bring them to repentance and deliver them to the final destination. Finally, a time came when God said, now you're going to go back to the land I gave you and your ancestors. You're going to go home. And your final destination hasn't changed. He would still be their God, and they would still be his people. And through them would still come the Messiah, the Savior by whom he would forgive their failings and remember their sins no more. Our life together as Christians is not so different than the people Israel when it comes to being rerouted to our destination. Many of our brothers and sisters in Christ across the globe are actually deported and rerouted from here to there, causing true hardship and suffering. A citizen of the United States of America doesn't experience that usually unless they are forced to relocate because of some circumstances beyond control. You know, they have to take a job somewhere or a relative is in need or crisis, and they've got to move closer to that person, you know. But there are other stops and delays in life, setbacks in our health, our jobs, our families, and sometimes even our faith. These can make it seem like we're being rerouted away from our final destination, which is heaven and the new earth. Our setbacks in life may seem trivial in comparison to people who are physically uprooted from their home. Nevertheless, people everywhere the world over, in all circumstances, know what it is to be heartbroken. And contrary to modern opinion, God himself knows what it means to have a broken heart too. His children, going back to the time of the first two people he made, have broken his heart multiple times over. 
In our Old Testament reading today, Jeremiah announces to Israel, the days are coming when the Lord will make a new covenant with His people. Well, why though? What was wrong with the old covenant? Well, nothing on God's end of the deal. He'd always been faithful to them. He brought them out of misery in Egypt. He freed them from the land of Pharaoh. In the desert and then the promised land, he'd been a faithful husband to them, providing for their every need, food, good weather, and protection. Yet the people complained and moaned and groaned that the food was bland, there was no water, and enemies were everywhere harassing them. The local gods seemed more willing to be agreeable than Yahweh, the Lord of hosts. Israel broke the covenant, the agreement that God would be their God and they would be His people. And for these sins, Israel found themselves deported, rerouted from their destination to being a beacon of the true God among the heathen nations. It broke God's heart to cast them away to a pagan land ruled by a pagan king. God's heart breaks over each one of us as well. His heart aches when we suffer broken hearts. His heart breaks when we go through loss and rejection and suffering. But we also break His heart when we break His commandments, when we love other things and other people over Him. Still, He promises to remake His covenant with His people and be their God by having His law written on their hearts. Now, isn't that something? Wouldn't we expect, or wouldn't it be nicer, if God wrote His gospel on our hearts? Yeah? You know, write the good news that Jesus came to die and rise again for us on our hearts so that we would never forget it and always give thanks for it and live it out for others. Instead, he writes his law on our hearts. He writes that on our hearts so that we would know good from evil, right from wrong, and recognize that we don't measure up to his expectations. How many of you had to write a hundred times on paper for your teacher or your parents, I will not talk back and be disrespectful? Or, you know, I will not run around in class. Whatever, you know, a million things they would have had you write. Think about that. That was a written agreement that you wrote. A covenant, if you will, that you would be a certain way from then on. Thankfully, our God does not ask us to draft up some kind of written agreement that we will obey obey Him and follow His way. See, he makes the covenant. He makes the agreement. And he's made a new one with humanity in the incarnation of God's Son in the person of Jesus Christ. By his presence in the flesh, he enters our world, our life, and by his Holy Spirit, he lives in the hearts of his people, you and me, all brothers and sisters in Christ, his church. The heart upon which God's law is written 
is a heart filled with God's love. And with that comes the ability to love. Broken hearts on both ends of the covenant, God's and ours, are repaired in Jesus Christ, whose good news of forgiveness of sins and restoration of our souls is a message for the whole world. Now, I want to spend some of the remaining minutes on these verses from Jeremiah that don't get heard on Sundays because they're not included in the Christian lectionary. You know, Jeremiah is a big book right? It's a long scroll. The original Hebrew scrolls of Jeremiah would have been a few parchments longer than Isaiah's. Many feet in length if you were to roll them all out in its entirety. So you can imagine why so much is left out of Jeremiah in a three-year reading program for the church today when time for worship is so brief. But let's look at verse 37. God says, If the heavens above can be measured and the foundations of the earth below can be explored, then I will cast off all the offspring of Israel for all that they have done, declares the Lord. Well, it's a good thing the Israelites didn't have a space program and a super deep borehole exploration program. Because what he's saying here to them is, If you think you can equal me in knowledge and power, then you've got another thing coming to you. I will cast you off for good. And we might find this verse somewhat anachronistic, you know, uh, being belonging to a period or age long ago and not relevant to to today. After all, we can measure space. We know parsecs and light years. And we've explored the foundations of the earth below. You know, the Soviets were able to drill 40,000 feet into the earth. 40,000 feet to see what was down there. The drill bit twisted off, though, because the, the deeper you get, the hotter it gets. And the rock becomes like a thick, gooey plastic. And drilling just doesn't work anymore. Are we becoming as knowledgeable and powerful as God? There are some who might aspire to that or believe we can if we keep trying. But others warn, uh, they warn of trying, maybe because of these verses in Jeremiah. You know, during the days of the Apollo program, some Christians were writing to NASA, warning them they're playing God and pushing our human limits too far by jumping off this planet to explore another one. There would be consequences from God if we aspired to leave the world that he made for us. Well, I'm having more fun with this verse than anything, really. I'm, I'm not really asking a serious theological question here. After all, we can measure space with parsecs and light years, but we don't know the certainty of the limits of the universe, do we? And as far as the earth's foundation go, 40,000 feet may sound like a long way down, but you know, if you consider the interior makeup of the earth, 40,000 feet is just barely poking the earth's crust. When you consider what's deep inside the mantle and the core, 
So it would seem we are safe from being cast off from God's love as much as Israel in the days of old. In the end, though, it's not because of our attempt to please God with our obedience and to keep our part of the covenant. It's because God's gracious love and His new covenant promise through Jesus Christ for you and me. The promise is one of forgiveness and compassion. Through the sacrifice made upon the cross, our broken hearts have been remade and restored to a right relationship of God in the midst of the rerouting and the delays in life. Our destination will always remain, and He will bring us to it. He will bring us to Himself, the ultimate in-person worship as we live with Him forever. Amen.